You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everyone. Uh, on, uh, on page 16, we're in the middle of uh, this essay by uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel called An Invitation to God. Uh, and the first half of the essay we looked at last week um, talked about the, 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 um, the difference, the, the, the way Heschel puts it is the purpose of prayer is not the same as the purpose of speech. The purpose of speech is to inform. The purpose of prayer is to partake. The idea being that, uh, that, that uh, in Heschel's conception, um, at least in this essay, uh, prayer is much more about opening yourself up to, uh, to, to God. Um, I, I put it in the language of process theology last week, um, that, uh, that, that uh, in every moment um, we're met with, uh, with a large array of possible choices, um, uh, one or, or more of those choices might be uh, the, the next best possible choice for us, the most godly possible choice for us. Um, and uh, there is always at every moment a call that beckons us to take hold of that, that best possible choice, right, which the process people call uh, the divine lure. Right? And what I suggested last week, Heschel wasn't a process theologian, um, but I think that the philosophy, uh, uh, the ideas here fit very nicely with that framework, that what he's saying is that prayer is a, 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 um, a way to enable us to, um, to hear and to respond to that divine lure. Rather than us telling God what we want, us being able to hear from God what, uh, what, he's in, what God's inviting us to in our lives. That's the first half of the essay. The second half, um, I think, moves in a slightly different direction. Okay, and that is uh, the issue in prayer, um, and, and this is something that we've uh, been discussing. Um, how important is it to know what you're saying and to say it correctly? Right? How important is it to be able to know the meaning of all the Hebrew prayers? To mean the meaning of all the Hebrew prayers, right? To uh, to have a a, um, um, a cognitive knowledge of, of what it is you're saying when you're reading the Sidor. How important is that? And how important is it to get all the words right? Right? What if you mess up? Did your prayer mess up? Did your was your prayer not heard? Does it matter? And if it doesn't matter, then why do you need the words in the first place? Right? So um, so th- those are the questions that we're going to uh, be tackling. Uh, and really, just raising uh, this essay. Okay, so um, yeah, I was right to ask that question about whether you forgot to add the prayer for dew and rain this morning or not. <coughs> Changeover day. Right. So the right. So the question. Right. So the, the and there are. I mean, halakhically speaking, there are different rules. You know, and different kinds of errors. You know, so an error of totally leaving something out is different than an error of making a mistake in pronunciation. Of, of a word, right? Or could be. Um, and an error of leaving something out is different depending on what it is that you left out, right? So um, it's different. Uh, the, ru- the, the, the rules are different if you leave out, say, Yalev Yavo on, uh, on Rosh Chodesh um, and than if you leave out uh, Tental Matar, let's say, um, or Mashiv Ruach Marina Gashem. And the rules are indeed still different if you do that 
if you realize that you missed it before you finished the Amida, and if you realize that you missed it after you finished the Amida. And, uh, and it's different if you realize you missed it during a particular block of the Amida, or if it's not during a particular block of the Amida. So, the, so from a halakhic point of view, um, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, um, uh, there's a there's a continuum of of these things. I don't think that that's really what Heschel's going to get into here. I think he means like if you make a mistake in in a, in a word, right? If you uh, if you don't know how to read the Hebrew, right? Um, it, not if you leave a whole prayer out, but if you make a mistake in in reciting it. Okay, so uh, we're at the um, bottom of page sixteen, next to last paragraph. Is it the outburst of eloquence which makes the infinite listen to our feeble voice? In other words, does God care if you uh, speak well in prayer? Does God care if you have said the most eloquent thing? It's a rhetorical question. Heschel's answer, I think, is no. Prayer... (laughs) Prayer is not a sermon delivered to God. In oratory... As in any other work of art, we endeavor to lend an adequate form to an idea. We apply all our care to adjusting the form to the content. But in prayer, it makes little difference whether we stammer or are eloquent. So, Heschel's answer? No, it doesn't matter if you make a mistake in, uh, in, in the utterance of your prayer. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you are fluid with the Hebrew. Twice daily, we try to impress upon our hearts the words uttered in Hebrew, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. However, there are those who know the meaning, but not the right pronunciation of those Hebrew words. Does perfect love depend upon the perfect pronunciation, upon proper articulation? Okay, there's an assumption there, right? That, uh, that, the, that the basis of prayer is... Perfect love is a, a, an expression of a uh, an embodiment of uh, one's love of God and one's belief in God's love of him or her. Right? Um, we read in the Song of Songs, and his banner, Digulo, over me is love, Ahava. Rabbi Aha said, if an ignorant man reads hate instead of love, by saying, for instance, the uh, ayabta, and you shall hate, for ve'ahavta, and you shall love, God says his mistake, dilugo, is beloved to me. There's this great little uh, Hasidic story. What's that? There's that one too. So every Hasidic story has, <laughs> but there's more than one Hasidic story. I was thinking of uh, the, the shepherd um, who, uh, who's, who who every day doesn't know any of the prayers, and every day prays to God, uh, God, I love you so much. If you give me your sheep to tend, I wouldn't even charge you for it uh, because I love you so much. And one day a learned man walks by and sees the shepherd praying like that and says, fool, don't pray that way. And so he teaches him the Shema, he teaches him the Amida, he teaches him all the, the laws of Jewish prayer. Um, and, uh, and the shepherd's very grateful, says thank you. The, um, the, the wise man leaves. The, the next day, the shepherd forgets everything the wise man taught him, the, the learned man taught him. Uh, and so he doesn't pray 
and he doesn't pray the way he used to because the learned man told him not to. And so God comes to the learned man in a dream and says, you need to go back to the shepherd and tell him to pray the way he used to pray because it was one of my most precious gifts. Right? And so then the learned man goes back to the shepherd and says, please pray the way you used to. Right? So um, there is this uh, 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 um, very... Definitive, and there's plenty of stories like that, right? In 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 the Hasidic tradition, right? This is a very Hasidic uh, um, uh, uh, take that uh, that it doesn't really matter uh, what you say, it doesn't really matter how you say it, so long as you say it with love, right? And so the essence of prayer is love, right? Um, so I uh, have this all the time. I um, my proposal uh, to uh, Adira did not go the way I intended for it to go in my in my head. Like I intended for it to be this very like eloquent um, and you know um, uh, romantic thing, and it was just like a total, in my opinion, disaster. Like uh, we were at this uh, in LA. There's this place called the Griffith Observatory, which is. Um, uh, an observatory uh, on top of a, a of a of, of a mountain um, and uh, a very beautiful place um, and uh, and so I like you know staked out um, uh, uh, I was like we're there like from before sunset but I wanted to wait till nightfall and so I was like walking around like nervous as heck with like a ring in my pocket the whole time and uh, and then we're you know um, uh, uh, we're at this like one spot that I thought was like a beautiful perfect spot to do it and uh, and like I couldn't get up the nerve to to do it, and then all of a sudden, like everybody, like starts filing out of the planetarium as I'm about. So, so I go to a different spot where there's less people, and like by then I'm like, you know, I go to like three different spots where there's like no people, and then I'm, by then I'm totally flustered, and I like can't quite get the uh, right words out. Um, and so, in my view, right, um, uh, it was a disaster of a proposal. Well, the story. Um, right? well, the, the story. Where did you eventually do it? I eventually did it like in uh, another place in. Uh, on the grounds of the observatory, not like the Guess ideal the the gas station. No, I didn't, it wasn't that bad. Um, I told her to fill it um, up. She said, oh, you know what? It was, it was like, like, it. I did like already. I did like by like the service entrance of the, uh, the, of the uh, what? <laughs> I think there was a bathroom nearby. Um, it was no, it was like down the hill, so like the view wasn't as good. It just wasn't ideal. It was, there's no, there's no real like good ending to the story. Um, and like when, when I and by the time I was like really flustered, there was a good ending. No, there is a good ending to the story. There is a very good ending to the story. Um, there's, there's no like 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 satisfying uh, theatrical ending to the story. It wasn't. Um, but uh, um, how long did it take her to figure this out? It didn't take her. No, she didn't figure it out at all. She didn't know what. She just thought I like. She, yeah, she didn't know why I was running around to all these different places. She claims at least to not know why I was running around to all these different places. She just thought that like I wanted a good view of the like LA skyline at night. And um, and like couldn't find the place I wanted to go. She I don't I don't know. God bless her. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, my point in all that is that uh, is that if you ask me, um, it was um, you know a, a train wreck of a wedding proposal, um, a, a marriage proposal. If you ask her, it was really beautiful and exactly what she wanted, um, and uh, uh, and perfect. You know, so in a certain sense. That, I think, is the Hasidic approach to prayer, right? From our perspective, we could be uh, totally, you know, bungling the, the, the game, right? The, the setting may not be right, the words may not be right, whatever. But from God's perspective, what matters is, did you approach it with love? Did you approach it with the right intention? Did you approach it with, uh, with, 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 the, with the sense of, of, of commitment and, uh, um, and, and passion? That's what God wants. Um, and that 
this really is striking because he also seems to be saying there is another approach. Don't possibly make a mistake or everything you do is screwed up. Um, I don't want to politicize it to say, is that a Haredi approach? You know, you got to do it this way or it's never going to be right and we can't recognize any other possible way to do it. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I really like what he's saying here. So there are certainly people who would make that opposite argument, right? That, uh, you know, so... Um, the words are all critical. Right. So uh, one of the strongest voices in the modern period for, for that point of view is a guy named Yeshayahu Leibovitz. Uh, who who said that uh, it doesn't matter what intention you have when you p- fulfill the commandments. It doesn't matter what uh, what what uh, intention you have when you pray. The the intention is to fulfill the commandment, right? And uh, and no intention matters if you don't f- fulfill the commandment properly, right? So the only intention you should have is to obey the will of God, and 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 therefore to do it in the right way. Um, so there's certainly, and he's a, um, a, a, an Orthodox theologian, um, very progressive in some other ways. Uh, but that was his theology of, of, uh, of commandments and of prayer, right? You, you, you don't, it doesn't matter, you know, how loving you are when you do it. Uh, it matters whether you do it and it matters whether you do it properly, right? So there's certainly, uh, views to the contrary. This is just Heschel. Um, but he has, he, he's operating, I think, on good authority. And uh, the, right, the Talmud itself uh, um, uh, uh, has this debate. Right? What's the essence of prayer? Is Kavanah the, impress- the essence of prayer? Or is Keva the essence of prayer? Right? Is uh, the intention you have when you pray the essence of prayer? Or is the, uh, um, the, 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 the fixed liturgy and the time that you pray, the setting that you pray, is that the essence of prayer? Right? Um, but according to Heschel, the quality of a speech is not judged by the good intention of the speaker, but by the degree to which it succeeds to simplify an idea and to make it relevant to others. Right? That's, that's why a speech works. Right? But prayer, he says, is not a speech. In contrast, the goal of prayer is to simplify the self, not to simplify an idea. Right? And this, I think, is um, something that I keep on impressing, and I think that it's worth our considering because it is, I think, one of the greatest obstacles that many of us have to prayer, um, uh, which is uh, uh, which is that I don't you know I don't understand all the words or I don't know how to recite all the words and what Heschel is saying is that's not the goal of prayer. The goal of prayer isn't to understand what you're saying. The goal of prayer is to understand you. The goal of prayer is not to con- con- condense an idea into uh, a pithy formulation. The goal of prayer is to simplify you, to make God relevant to oneself. Thus, prayer is not judged by the standards of rhetoric, but by the good intention, by the earnestness and intensity of the person. Ultimately, the goal of prayer, I love this line, ultimately the goal of prayer is not to translate a word, but to translate the self. Not to render an ancient vocabulary and modern terminology, but to transform our thoughts into thoughts of prayer. Prayer is the soul's imitation of the spirit, of the spirit that is contained in the liturgical word. Uh, uh, Brad Artson, um, Rabbi Artson, um, uh, uh, talks about this. This is very LA of him. He talks about it like um, um, I forget the name of the God, the Stanislavski method of, athi- of acting. Right, you become the script. Right, um, and he says that's. 
that's what prayer is. Right? Prayer is becoming the script. The reason we have a script is that you are supposed to become the words of that page. Right? That you're supposed to um, uh, become the righteousness it talks about, become the justice it talks about, become the holiness that it talks about. Right? Um, so it's the soul's imitation of the spirit. Right? Uh, it's the soul's imitation of what's happening in the in the liturgical word. But it's but it's not um, uh, making a speech to God. It's not trying to take those words, make them your words, and um, and 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 pass them on to an uh, an unmoved deity. Right? It's trying to um, it's trying to welcome uh, God into our lives to make God part of us, right? Not necessarily to make our thoughts part of God. And then, if if that's the case, then the essence of making God part of us is to open our hearts, not necessarily to uh, open our mouths in the right way. Your turn. So how would you describe the evening prayer on the high holidays? I mean, it somewhat fits within this, and it somewhat seems to be turning it on upside down. Yeah. Um, everybody knows. Everybody doesn't recite that. Just right. Just the yeah. just the chazan resi- recites it. Um, I'm sorry. There, there was a question. I think that goes back to the. Question when, you when you were out of the room, out, right? what was Ed's question when I stepped out? Just Go ahead, help. Help, help Rabbi not with your questions. The question was uh, is if it, the difference between making a mistake in prayer when you're the Shaliyah Tzibor and how important is that yeah. versus making a mistake when you're reading the Torah? And we had no, 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 we're no, just no, praying no, no, no. individual versus oh, oh, okay. <laughs> individual, individual versus the Shaliyah Tzibor. Yeah. Because when I would daven and I would make a mistake, I would, you know, very strenuously get corrected. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, you know, is, is, is it that important that I made the mistake? And then we had a discussion about it, that it is important. Right. You're leading for everybody else, right. so... Right, so I think that there is a difference between uh, a person who's who's acting as a shalich tzibor and a person who's just uh, uh, praying stam. Um, when you're shalich tzibor, um, you're fulfilling a number of functions simultaneously. Right, you're praying. Uh, the, the 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 technical function of uh, of the person leading prayer is to pray for people who don't know how, right? um, and to therefore help them fulfill their obligations. So uh, what Heschel's saying is is an important thing to keep in mind, uh, but it's only uh, one part of the conversation. The other part of the conversation is that there are technical pieces of prayer uh, that our tradition thinks are 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 important um, and are obligatory to say each day right? I mentioned this last week that uh, you know after after Heschel said that my feet were praying in Selma he daven marif right uh, and he used the traditional words of the Sidor so he doesn't only think that uh, that that the outpourings of your heart are crucial prayer that's important too but he also thinks that the traditional liturgy is important and it's important to say it so the the function of a shaliach um, is more, I think, than what he's describing here, um, because you have to pr- be able to pray for those who uh, who who aren't able to themselves, um, uh, which means that, uh, that 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 from a technical point of view, um, uh, you need to be proficient. Um, now, in terms of someone uh, correcting another person stri- stringently when they're actually in the act of leading services, I'm a little bit more ambivalent about that. Um, it's different for Torah reading than it is for tefillah. 
Um, uh, and by the way, um, I, I think that uh, many congregations that I've been to don't do it right for Torah reading either. It shouldn't be a unanimous call out from the congregation to correct the person who's leaning Torah. It should be a, 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 a quiet prompt from the people who are standing that's up. Why have, at the, the right, that's why you have gabbis. Um, and it is not necessarily a bad idea to have uh, to have a gabbi for davening, especially in a, in a context like ours, where there are a lot of people who lead davening who are still in some ways learners. Right, who aren't uh, expert daveners, um, and uh, you know. So when I was uh, 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 in day school, and, uh, and we had our morning minion, I, I went to a day school where we had morning minion, um, and the kids led the morning minion. But there was always a kid uh, gabai there, you know, that would that would stand, you know, say the sort of the similar way that you would if you were um, correcting someone's Torah reading, and they would correct um, you, you know, quietly if you uh, if you if you made a mistake. That I think is a better approach because. Um, um, there's always a, a balance there of um, you, you, you want the board to fulfill their job correctly um, and in a context like ours you want a person to be able to, to learn from their mistakes and to grow from them but also you don't want to embarrass a person um, uh, so my approach often is to, um, to if I can't do it very quietly um, in the moment, um, uh, so as not to embarrass a person, I'll wait till afterward um, and uh, and point it out to them, and then next time they'll do it uh, a better way. Because I think that there's very few mistakes that a shlich tzibor could make during the course of davening that uh, that that um, you know will really have a cosmic impact on uh, the rest of the congregation. Right. Um, How you slaughter that animal is critical. Right, uh, right. So um, it's true. If we were in the temple, it would be a slightly different uh, story. Um, but uh, but prayer is an approximation of, uh, of the temple service and in that it's an approximation of the temple service, um, the precision of it um, uh, is not as crucial I think. Um, By the way, that's I can speak to Josh Perlmutter I don't know how Rabbi Alpert when he's working with people who are learning but Josh Perlmutter definitely would speak with you afterward and go over where he saw or heard a mistake and try and correct it and I shouldn't say try and correct it. Yeah. The the other function of the Shalich Tibor and why I think the the Hinani prayer is, is crucial is um, um, at least that seems to address in yeah. some ways this exactly. But the other the other the other function is not only to pray for those who can't pray, um, but to uh, but to um, but to inspire the energy of the room. That I think is part of what Heschel is saying. So good Shalich Tibor um, will will stir your heart. Right, um, uh, will 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 transport you to a place that you may not have been able to go on your own in prayer. Right, to 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 uh, to, to bring you to a, a place of uh, of an openness of, of soul and, and and heart that Heschel is talking about. A good shlich tibor will will be able to do that. So that's that's why I think the that's one of the ways that I would approach the Hinani prayer is uh, is the shlich tibor reminding himself uh, and maybe opening himself up to God to to. Inspire him or her to uh, um, uh, to be able to move the congregation in, in that way, to be able to set the tone of the room and to set the emotion of the room in, in that fashion. Um, that was exactly my point because that's the way that I've always felt. And then you know when and, and, and unfortunately when you get corrected in that moment, it loses it loses uh, uh, something. Yes. 
Um, although sometimes uh, I, I just have to say th- to be the devil's advocate about it, right? Sometimes uh, uh, right. too many mistakes can can distract from that uh, energy as well. Can you know uh, you know uh, people can you know it can uh, remove you know someone who someone who's more knowledgeable, right? I, I know for me, I, I try to stop myself from doing it, but when a shlich tibor, uh, and it's not here because everyone here does it perfectly, uh, but when I'm in another place entirely and a shlich tibor makes a mistake during davening, it, it does at least momentarily take me out of the rhythm of my prayer. I, I spend a moment like, oh, I don't think that that word was right. And then, you know, and then, and then I have to, like, push myself to, like, get over the judgmentalism that is immediately, like, I get the judgmental instinct, right? And then I have to, like, do the tshuva in the instant of, uh, of being there to, like, be able to move back into, like, being in a, in a, in a prayer mode. Right? And then you're at Elena already, and, you got, and then it's time for, for tuna salad. So, um, uh, so it's... it's uh, right, and is it different for a, a regular congregant who's not as knowledgeable versus somebody who is? And is it more, you know, is that why they take it more... Well, me, well listen, the Shalich Tibor depends on the Tibor, right? Uh, so uh, uh, the, 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 the kind of uh, a prayer leader that's, that's right for a particular community depends on the community. Right. Um, you know, so uh, a, a, a community of learners, I think it's, uh, it's much more... Um, it, uh, you wanted to say acceptable, but that's not the word. I was going to say appropriate. <laughs> it's much more appropriate to have a, a person who's uh, still in the process of learning lead the prayers than for a community. I mean, listen, everyone's a community of learners. That, that may not have been a good way of putting well, it. Well, but, but, but the, um, day, the days of the classic Hazan, you know, when he was writing this, that was certainly the model. Uh, and, you, and, you know, JTS yeah, doesn't though, even have that anymore. Yeah, they're probably not where Heschel davened. Well, I don't know. I don't know where he daven, but my guess is he didn't daven in a place of the classical chazan. I, if I if I had to guess, I mean, these are back in the days, and still to a certain extent true, when most of the seminary faculty did not daven uh, in conservative uh, uh, synagogues. Well, um, they, they had a right? They still do. They still do. Um, I don't know. Do you know, uh, Rabbi Rosenwasser, did Heschel daven at the seminary synagogue? There were some professors who did, but... Um, do you think that sometimes the Shalia Tzibor gets in the way of the congregants concentrating on their own prayer? Uh, I think a good Shalia Tzibor won't. I think I think I think a Shalia Tzibor can. Um, um, it happens very often. I, I find myself very often in in, in settings where where I feel like the shlich tibor, uh, not here, um, but other places I go, um, where the shlich tibor um, uh, does more to distract me from my own davening than uh, than to help move me along. Um, but that could be just because I'm cantankerous and uh, um, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Ralph's not here. An His description of an Orthodox minion. Is everybody starts on the same page, and then it's like a horse race to see who can get to a certain point the fastest. Right. doesn't matter what the Shalit Tzipur is doing. Then they come together, and they read the Torah, and they're together then. And then it's off to the races again, you know, which is... I, I mean, I think... That's the prayer is individual. I'm sorry? Because the prayer is totally individual. The prayer is, the prayer, totally the, the, individual the prayer is, the, the prayer is individual, and, and yet the, 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 the feeling is that the collection of individual prayers makes... Uh, community. I, I think of a, of a shlich tzibur in that context more like a metronome, 
right? Uh, it sort of keeps right. the rhythm, right. uh, and uh, and so together it, for Barclay, right? Together for Shimano, right? Um, um, uh, and, and I think that so when um, I, I find that although there are elements of when I go to uh, Orthodox uh, uh, davening, there are elements of praying in that context that I find distracting too, right? So um, uh, uh, you know, not only. Uh, often it's not the shluch tzibor that that I find distracting there. It's other things. So it's a uh, um, I'm like I said I'm very cantankerous and when um, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, um, obstinate when it comes to these things. But that's just uh, that's just me. Cantankerous. Yeah. <laughs> um, have a great day, everybody.